Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Morning, followers of Jesus and those who are called by the most beautiful, wonderful name. It is good to be with you this morning. And we're beginning a just a new teaching series. Really, I just believe this is God's heart for His church, His beloved, His bride in this season. I know that we're beginning to near the end of the stay-at-home orders and the trends of this pandemic are beginning to, at least what it looks like, beginning to kind of taper down. Those, some statistics say it's still increasing. There's lots of different... Uh, information going around right now, but it looks like we're beginning to kind of leave the isolation and enter that re-entry phase back into normal life, or at least what normal life to us looks like, or what normal life is going to look like going forward. I know that when 9-11 happened, after the fact, air travel changed forever. It seems like there's new regulations and new laws, new things were passed to kind of help curtail future events like this happening again and I can foresee that maybe something like that will happen after all is said and done new laws regulations and and parameters will be set in place to kind of prevent maybe the spread of something like this again in the future but what I do know is this this is not the last catastrophe that our world is going to face This is not the last worldwide event. This is not the last national event that's going to create disruption, struggle, uh, pain and suffering in the world. And knowing, knowing this, that there is the potential for another crisis... It's easy for us to become reactive rather than responsive. And, and we might even see this in the political scheme, especially as elections begin to really get closer towards the end of the year as we're looking at the new presidential elections and all the different political debates that will be had. It is easy for us to become reactive rather than proactive or responsive and also to allow fear to continue to dominate our lives and cause us to act within fear's parameters rather than walk in the powerful faith that we have in Christ Jesus. Which is why I believe that God wants to remind us of His will today, this morning, as He has placed this on our heart. I believe He's really inviting us as believers in Jesus into something new again, into faith again. Not simply that we would have been saved from our sins and have this spot on a cloud somewhere and a harp with our name on it reserved for us when we get into eternity. Like many of us think, we think when this life is over, we're just going to be floating around on a, a cloud somewhere in a white robe playing the harp for all eternity in this like eternal bliss. And, and heaven is going to be so much more than that. That, that, is, that is nothing compared to what God has in store for his believers, for followers of Jesus. But before we get to eternity, we need to remember that there is a life that Jesus has called us into, a life to pursue while we still remain here on earth waiting for his return. That there is an incredible life. He said an abundant life that he has called us into. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Life for the sheep who know his voice and follow him. 
Last week we kind of ended the, the series talking about the mission God has called us into. And if you didn't join us last week, I invite you to go back on the Facebook feed and, and listen to last week's message or go to YouTube and our YouTube channel and listen there. That is where these messages are also being held or, or found. But to think about the mission that God has given us, it is a gospel-driven mission. It is a mission with a message, but not just a message, that there is the power of God available. The power of God is released to confirm the message. The Bible says that the gospel and the effect on the person's life is the power of God at work in the hearts of those who believe. The gospel is the gateway for us to encounter the power of God. And as believers, as we are walking on mission, as we are following Jesus in mission, as we are preaching the gospel and living gospel-centered lives, we will be demonstrating and releasing the power of God into the world. And there is an overall picture of what each of us need to be, uh, how each of us need to be working to help God cultivate here in the earth what is his ultimate will for the world? Today we're looking at his ultimate will, which is the healing of the nations. This is the name of this series, is the healing of the nations. Now, healing can be a debated issue among Christians. There are lots of different opinions about what the Bible teaches for healing. And, and there are some that believe that the healing is just an act of God's sovereignty, that it happens in his will, that that it's not for believers today to have a gift of healing. Others believe that there's a gift of healing, which is my belief that God endows believers with supernatural abilities to confirm the message of the gospel and to bless and show his heart and reveal his heart in the world. But healing can be this debate, and there's many questions that surround healing, such as if God's will is for everyone to be healed and to be whole, why do people still get sick Today, why do believers get sick and even die today? Why, if it's God's will for us to be well, healed, and whole? And I do understand that this is the case. Believers do get sick. Believers do die. There, and there are many factors that contribute to the plight of human, the human experience in dealing with sickness and death in this world. I mean, to be honest, I have allergies. I had allergies were kicking up before this coronavirus thing ever even started. I've been sniffling, I've had a runny nose, a dry cough, and it, it's really kind of torture going to Walmart trying to hold all that stuff in to make sure people don't look at you with the death stare thinking you're getting everybody sick, you know, when, it, when I know that it's not the case. But there is a reality that we deal with these things in our body, in, in our life. And even though I deal with weakness in the body, I deal with allergies, I deal with sickness, nonetheless, I believe that it's God's will for me to be healed. That it's God's will for you to be healed, to be whole. He wants the whole world to be healed and to be whole. But this reality of God's will is far greater than simply for us to walk through life without a sniffle or without an ache or a pain. There's a greater reality, a greater issue at work with God's desire for healing. And because it's hard for us to believe, because of our human experience, it's hard for us to believe that God actually wants to heal me. If you think about the, the sickness and issues that you wrestle with, it can be hard to think that God would think of you enough to want to heal you. And we don't really understand His love for us in that way, or that His will is for us to be well. And we'll often 
look at the Bible and some of these passages like Paul's dealing with his thorn in the flesh as an excuse to affirm unbelief, that lack of belief to say that God will heal or that God desires healing. And so we use passages to justify unbelief rather than press into the truth that God does, his will is that we should all be healed. Especially when we see so much sickness and death in the world, both outwardly in lives that don't touch ours, and then also personally, especially when it hits home. But it's important that we understand what the Bible says about healing and how we, as children of God, fit into this overall picture of God's will, His will to bring ultimate healing into the world. Because there is more to His will for healing than simply curing colds or common aches and pains. Beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9-13, through 13, this is the most famous prayer in the Bible. And it is important for us to really wrap our hearts around, there's many applications to this prayer, but really in the case of this study, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus was asked to teach his disciples how to pray, and he tells them to pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is called the Lord's Prayer. Think about this, that God himself, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, is telling us how we should pray. That the, the God-man, the God who came in flesh to pay for the sins of the world, he's telling us how we should pray. And in this prayer, he's giving us a glimpse into his heart, into his will for the world. First, that we should keep his name holy, that we would worship God and God alone. Worship him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But secondly, that God's kingdom would come soon that the reality of God's kingdom would invade earth, and that the kingdom that the Messiah was to usher in at his coming would unfold in the world. For when he comes, for when the kingdom comes, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now there is no question when God speaks a word, it is done in heaven instantly. There is no debate, there is no question. But earth has a different reality. Earth tells a different story. But with the coming of the kingdom, when heaven invades earth, the two dwelling places of God and man will come become one in a powerful marriage as the Son claims his bride and reigns in Jerusalem for all eternity. And this marriage between heaven and earth, this is our eternity. This is God's will. This is the heart of the Father. This is what Jesus is calling us, beckoning us to be praying for. This is the will of God that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which tells us right now that his will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. If God is asking us to pray for this, it's revealing the truth that right now his will is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Why is it not? Well, it's because God gave the authority of the earth over to humanity. When God created human beings, he gave dominion of the earth, all authority, of the earth over to humanity and humankind gave its authority we gave our authority over to the devil when we sinned and now the devil who has the power of death has been wielding sin and death through his newfound authority ever since the beginning he is the one who brings in pain and suffering he is the one that unleashes the curses on the world he is the agent of evil and wickedness in the world but the Bible tells us that Jesus became a man so that as a man, 
through taking on flesh and blood, he could die a physical death. And by dying and pouring out his blood, he broke the power of the devil who had the power of death. And in the scriptures, it says that when he raised from death into life in physical form, Matthew 28, it says all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. The Gospels, Jesus says that he's been given the, king, the keys of the kingdom, and he's now passing those keys of the kingdom to the church, giving the authority we once had back to the followers of Jesus Christ. And now with this authority, with the authority of Jesus being given back to us, we can preach the gospel to every creature and open the door of the kingdom to the world through the proclamation of the truth of God's word, the gospel story, Jesus' death and resurrection, and the demonstration of power through the Holy Spirit. We now, as the church of Jesus Christ, can bring a glimpse to the earth of what is to come when Jesus returns. Amen. We are to live now as if the kingdom of God then is alive and well today. Paul over and over again in the New Testament calls on believers to live as citizens of heaven, which means we have to stop thinking like earthlings and start thinking like angels in heaven, thinking about doing the will of God, demonstrating the truth, being the ambassadors of Christ, that our minds would be united with the mind of Jesus. Our priorities are to be kingdom priorities, that we bring the kingdom of God, kingdom values into every sphere and sector of our lives today. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, here's what Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor he was uh, discipling. He says, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Verse 4, again, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Think about that for a moment. A good soldier stays on mission so that it can bring glory to its superior officer. A good soldier doesn't get caught up in the cares of civilian life, which translates to us as followers of Jesus that though we live in this culture, we should not be dominated by the philosophies and customs and ways of thinking of this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds, transformed by the way we think, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. That rather than having minds dominated by influences in this world, in this culture, we should have minds renewed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as we immerse ourselves into the presence of the Lord, rather than immersing ourselves into the culture's influence. You see, what we feed our minds and what we believe are guided by what, or demonstrated by what happens, what is produced in our lives. So if we feed our minds the philosophies and the customs of this world and not the kingdom of God, it's going to show up in our priorities. It's going to show up in our desires. It's going to show up in the way we live. Another struggle for many of us is not just being saturated by the influences of the world and going to the world really to find out the, the way we should live or find wisdom in the world and measuring ourselves and our value and our worth by the world standards. Another struggle for many of us is that we've been raised in religious atmospheres that haven't taught us about the kingdom of God. 
We don't know about the kingdom. We, we've heard about it, but we don't really know what it's supposed to be like. And we've merely been given these religious rules that are to help us live, supposedly to keep God's good graces focused or blessed in our lives, to keeping God's good side. We live by these religious rules. But, beloved, Jesus didn't come to give us rules from religion. He came to set you free and place you into the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Before beginning relationship with Christ, you were in the kingdom of the enemy. You were in the kingdom of darkness. You were blinded to the truth. But Jesus came on a rescue mission and he opened the door for salvation. When you received him as your Lord and Savior, you got plucked out of darkness and into light. Your citizenship of heaven or of earth was was canceled and you were placed into a new citizenship in heaven. We don't live in darkness and according to its dictates. We live in light in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is through the power of the Spirit that God is preparing this present world for the fulfillment of the coming kingdom. The day when earth will do the will of the Father as it's done in heaven. It's through the power of the Spirit in your life and in my life that God is preparing this world to receive the kingdom and its king. So what does the kingdom of God look like as it pertains to healing? As we're looking at a world dominated by sickness and disease, and it's easy for us to stay afraid and frightened about what might come and wonder if, if we're going to get sick and, and what if God lets me get sick and will, will God heal me? We're trying to shift our thinking from giving power to sickness and fear to giving power to God in His rightful place in our heart to receive the power of the Spirit to walk in the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like when it comes to healing? Well, let's look in Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 3. As we take a trip into eternity as we see through the revelation of John in the book of Revelation what heaven is going to be like, what our life is going to look like, a snapshot, a glimpse of what God's will in purest form looks like on the earth. Revelation 21, 3-5, John said, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. This is a snapshot of our eternity, of God's perfect will, done on earth as it is in heaven. In the kingdom of God, death is defeated. There is no death, and if you cannot die, that means anything that can bring about death no longer exists. Anything that causes death, causes pain, causes suffering no longer exists, which is why there is no sorrow, no crying, and no pain. Beloved, think about this beautiful hope, a life without pain, without physical or emotional suffering. Let your mind, let your heart drift to that reality. No sorrow, no crying, no pain. You know, I venture to believe that someone watching here today has felt sorrow, has felt pain this week. Maybe has even cried here recently, maybe even this morning. That the aches of your heart were on display, but 
Beloved, God's word says there's coming a day where you will bear that no more. This is God's will for the world. This is God's will for you. A day when you no longer have to experience pain and suffering. This is God's will. This is why Jesus said to pray that the kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven because in that state there is no sorrow, there's no struggle, there's no turmoil, turmoil inward or outward and we get to live in the fullness of the presence of God for all eternity. This is where God literally sets his throne on the earth and he will wipe every tear with his own hand. Every tear you cry. But see, healing is not just for you alone. So, beloved, you might be wrestling with you know, a sickness and thinking, does God want to heal me? It is his ultimate will that you are healed. God wants to heal you. God wants to see you set free. He doesn't want to watch you suffering in pain and suffering. That is not his will for your life. His will is ultimate healing, but his will is not for you and you alone. Revelation 22, chapter, or verses 1 through 6 John continues, he says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. This is New Jerusalem, our heavenly dwelling place. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Somebody say, to heal the nations. Heal the nations. To heal the nations. Pay attention to that. To heal the nations. This is God in eternity, in heaven, in the time where all things are past, all things have become new. His will is done perfectly on earth. There are leaves on the tree of life used for medicine to heal the nations. Verse 3. No longer will there be a curse on anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him. And they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there will be no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who inspires his prophets, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. God does not just want to heal you and deliver you for suffering. He has a vision for all the nations, every kingdom, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, he wants to heal. And in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of God, he's made a provision for the healing of the nations. It is the tree of life. But what's the result of this provision? What did the scripture say? The result of this provision is, in Revelation 22, 3, it says, no longer will there be a curse on anything. When we rebelled against God, when we chose the tree of knowledge rather than the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, we were banished from the presence, from the incredible eternal blessing that we could have had if we had stayed faithful to the Lord. But now God is restoring us to that place where we can eat freely from the tree of life and there will no longer be a curse upon anything. The curse of sin and death, which was unleashed at the beginning, is gone forever. This curse of sin and death now has touched every area of our lives, even the physical world we live in. Paul in Romans says that even all creation groans in agony, waiting for the day that Christ Jesus is going to return and redeem the world. Why? Because even the creation, our atmosphere, our solar system, all of it has been cursed because of the introduction of sin into the world. But in the kingdom of God, everything is at peace. Why? It's because there's no curse upon it. There's no curse of death. 
No curses of disease. No curses of poverty. No curses of violence. Nothing is cursed, but everything is blessed. And this is God's will for you and for me. It is most uh, popularly captured in Jeremiah 29.11, which says, I know the plans I have for you. They are for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. As a good father, he wants healing and wholeness for our lives, and not just for us, but the entire world. Peace, prosperity, and flourishing is the state of all who live in the kingdom of God. And it happens in the future, not simply because there is no curse any longer, but there is no curse because in verse 3 it says, For God and the Lamb will be there. The throne of God and the Lamb will be with us in fullness, in full manifestation and revelation, and His servants will worship Him. Think about this. God's presence in fullness on the earth. Heaven and earth are one place. And His people, us, the children of God will worship Him. And not only will we worship Him, but Scripture here tells us we will rule with Him. We will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. We will rule over the earth. And the way the church, the people of God rule is not the way religious organizations or religious groups have tried to rule in the past through domination, through through fear, and through violence. In God's kingdom, it's an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom that doesn't operate like the kingdoms of this world. In God's kingdom, you don't get ahead through striving and domination. You get ahead by being the last. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus said, the greatest among you in the kingdom must be the greatest servant. Jesus said, the proud fall, but the humble are elevated by the Lord. Jesus said we don't prosper through hoarding our riches, but we're prospered through generosity. That wealth is measured not by how much you have, but by how much you give. Jesus said give as freely as you've received. Many of us were striving to receive, but Jesus said the wealthy in the kingdom are those who give more than they receive. Wealth is not measured by how much you receive, but by how much you give. We don't rule by forcing people to submit in fear. We rule through demonstrating sacrificial love. We don't use the power of man to demand allegiance to those in our kingdom. We use the power of God to free people from bondage and bless them in Jesus' name. And this will be the state of the whole world. What a day this will be when we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as beautiful as this vision is, as beautiful as the vision of this future is, it's not God's will that we simply pray about the coming kingdom. Jesus didn't say... Pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and stop there. It's not God's will that we simply just pray about the coming kingdom, but also that we would live in that truth that the kingdom of God is already among us, and that we would walk out the values of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, and the power of the kingdom in our everyday life. That as we walk in the kingdom of God as citizens of heaven, we would fight back the curses that have been unleashed in our world because God wants to manifest his presence now. He's not waiting just until eternity. He wants to manifest his presence now in the beloved, in his church, to announce the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom, and invite those outside the kingdom into the kingdom. God wants to demonstrate and manifest his presence in you today. So yes, God wants to heal you so that through you, He can bring healing to the nations. And there are three levels of healing God wants to bring, and we're not going to 
cover them today. But simply we're going to look at the fact that the kingdom reality is now, not just in the future time. Some of you, you're waiting for the rapture of the church to happen before you can experience the blessings of the kingdom of God. But God, through Christ Jesus, is inviting you today to begin living in the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus said this, he said, If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. In Luke 10, 9, he says, Heal the sick. He's commanding his disciples. He's saying, go heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is a, is a future but also a now kingdom. Theologians say it's the now but not yet kingdom. And many of us are waiting on the not yet. We're focusing on the not yet. But Jesus has called us as children of God to focus on the now. We have been set free from our sinful nature to walk in our new spiritual nature in the reality of the kingdom of God. We are on a mission not simply to make disciples and to add people to our religious organizations, but to reveal the kingdom of God to the world as we wait on the second coming of the Lord. And just in the future, as, it, as in the future, where all the curses will be done once and for all, because we've overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient to break every curse and everything the enemy has unleashed in the world. And that day is coming where all will be lifted once and for all. But just as in the future, today, the curses that are unleashed in the world can be lifted as God manifests His presence here on the earth through true heartfelt worship of believers. The same curses we experience today of sickness, infirmity, poverty, death even, can be lifted today through the heartfelt worship of believers. And I'm not just talking about singing our hearts out when we worship together. I trust that just a little while ago, you weren't just listening as, as if you were at a concert and there were people before you entertaining you, that you were actually engaging your heart, you were singing along, you were praising the Lord, praying and declaring praise. And that's what we should do when we gather together, because the power of God is released in the worship of His people. But I'm not just talking about singing our hearts out to the Lord, which is part of it, but I am talking about living a fully surrendered life in pursuit of the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. It's not just singing songs when we gather. It's not just reading devotionals in the morning. It's living by the power of God, letting the power of God flow through you as you live in the kingdom and demonstrate in the kingdom. When we walk in the power of God, we walk in bold faith and we manifest the presence of God in our everyday life. God reveals himself to the world. And what's revealed is that as God is revealed, curses are undone and broken. Physical healing can happen when God's presence is revealed. Spiritual healing, spiritual oppression can be undone when God's presence is revealed. Relational healing can come. Financial healing can come. All of these different areas, emotional healing can come. These curses over all areas of our lives are broken when God's presence enters a room. All of these things are undone when Jesus shows up. And I've seen God heal time and time again, and I believe this is His mission for the church, for you and I. Time and time again, through prayer and faith, I've seen curses break. We as a family have seen curses break. My wife and I just had opportunity to pray for 
someone the other day and saw curses break. And this is the invitation that you and I have as followers of Christ. In Acts 10.38, it says, You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This was his ministry. This was his mission. This is what he was doing. And that same power has been given to the church. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is the ministry of the church. Jesus said, These signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick. They will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will do the same works that I've done and even greater because I'm going to the Father. The ministry of Jesus is now the ministry of the church, doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, breaking the curses of sin and death and revealing the kingdom of God to the world. And this is the mandate, not just on the leaders of the church, but all who believe. Why? So God can bring the healing to the nations. So God can bring healing to the world. But we have let our nations slip further and further into the oppression of the enemy. We've allowed Satan and his kingdom to gain ground in our culture and increase its power and influence and to force us to dwell under curses because rather than engaging the culture with the gospel, of Jesus and walking in the power of God, we have isolated ourselves into religious institutions and we have kept our religion separate from our everyday life. We have our church life on Sunday, but then our work life on Monday and our party life on Friday, rather than walking and living as one individual called by God, one citizen of heaven, one identity in Jesus Christ. We think separation of church and state means we can't tell anybody about Jesus when we're at work or in a public square. And so we stay locked, lipped, and keep it close to our chest. And we've allowed the enemy to hold the ground, the territory of our government, our places of work, education, media, every realm of our culture. We, as the beloved, have allowed this. We've allowed him to influence the world, to open curses upon the land and the nations of the world because we have not walked in the power of God. And he does this by getting people, especially believers, people who call themselves Christians, who call themselves by the name of Christ. The enemy is able to unleash curses in our lives, in the lives of those we love, the lives in our land, because we walk in agreement with what the enemy says. We follow the ways of sin. We become blinded to the heart of God and the truth of what God wills for his people. And through the authority Jesus has given us now as the church, we continue, like Adam and Eve, handing that authority over to the devil, giving him license to steal, kill, and destroy. And we do it through our inaction, our fear, our doubt, and our promotion of wickedness in our land. In the book of Leviticus, God reveals his heart for purity among his people, the nation of Israel, and he lists all manner of sexual immorality and depravity that's happening in the nations all around Israel, the, the nations that they're getting ready to go in and occupy the land or the territory. And he warns them not to follow in their ways. And he says something specific in Leviticus 18, 26 through 28. God says, you must obey all my decrees and regulations. You must not commit any of these detestable sins. This applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners that live among you. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I'm taking you. And this is how the land has become defiled. 
Listen to what he's saying. This is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it to a reason to vomit you out, as it will vomit out the people who live there now. These people that, that did not know God, they didn't have the law. This wasn't anything that was put on them through a relationship with God. These people were just living according to their, their sinful nature, their fleshly nature. They worshipped false idols. They had uh, all manner of practices that were developed within their culture. But it is their detestable sins, their sexual depraved immorality that caused their land to become defiled and polluted, curse upon the land, and now bringing them to a point of being vomited out. We want to know why God hasn't healed America. We want to know why God isn't healing the nations now. It's because there are detestable sins being committed that are opening the door to demonic power, bringing pollution and defilement into the land. And we as believers are just standing idly by allowing it happen. And many are promoting it through acceptance, through engaging in the media, the music we listen to, the shows we watch, all the things we participate in. In Numbers 35, verse 33, again, God speaks to the nation of Israel. He says, this will ensure the land where you live will not be polluted, for murder pollutes the land. And no sacrifice except the execution of the murderer can purify the land from murder. And yes, this is in the law, but the principle is the same, that the murder of the innocent pollutes the land. And since Roe versus Wade, we've been murdering millions and millions of innocent, unborn children polluting our land opening the door to death and destruction. And we wonder why God hasn't healed our land. We look at our nation in the present crisis. We look at our culture and how it's increasing in immorality, not decreasing in immorality. Sexual immorality, the innocent, murdered. We're polluting the land and bringing upon all the curses. In Isaiah 59, the Bible tells us that an unjust court system and political, unjust political processes provoke the hand of God to judgment. In Leviticus 26, it says, Worshipping false gods brings upon a nation plagues and disaster. And when we look at our nation, when we look at our culture, when we look at the cultures of the world, what do we see? We see these very things becoming more and more accepted and commonplace as the church gets quieter and quieter. And I'm not talking about rioting and uprising, but I'm talking about a church who no longer believes that the power lies in the hand of God. Our rejection of God and the truth of the gospel empowers the enemy to wield the power of death, and we succumb to it. But what would happen, beloved, if we returned to the Lord? What would happen if we repented of our sexual immorality, if believers in Christ would say, no, I'm not going to live with my boyfriend or girlfriend before I get married because I know the marriage bed is undefiled. God said to keep the marriage bed holy and I'm not going to enter in an unholy union. What if believers said, I'm not going to be addicted by anything because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and so I'm not going to give myself over to addictive behaviors. What if we said, I'm not going to watch that filth on TV. I'm not going to subscribe to that channel. I'm not going to listen to that music because it promotes wickedness and evil. And the Bible says to fix my thoughts on what is good, what is holy, what is righteous and praiseworthy, what is honorable. What if we said, we're no longer going to hunger for the world and the things that it offers, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but we're going to hunger for the things of God and pursue His presence because this land is a desert land where there is no water. What if 
What would happen if we repented of our immorality, our murder, our injustice, our corruption, and idolatry? What would happen if the people of God stopped supporting and reveling in the depravity of our culture, letting it immerse us and influence us into its philosophies and its customs, but we came out of the culture and we took our rightful place as stewards of the kingdom of God? What do you think would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Second Chronicles 7.14, God said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. I will heal your land if the people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. This doesn't mean every person in the nation. It does say the people of God. The people of God who are called by his name need to humble themselves. The people of God need a reality check. The people of God need to seek him. The people of God need to pray. The people of God through the blood of Jesus and sincere, sincere repentance need to be begin working to break the curses that the enemy has been placing on our families, on our children, on our nation. And we need to lift them through the manifest presence of God and the true heartfelt worship that is brought forth in a heart that's hungry for the Lord. Peace and prosperity can be restored to our nation and the nations around the world when the people of God come to him with humble and sincere hearts. Our land can be healed. And our land can be restored. And this doesn't end with America only, because the mission of God is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's plan to heal is a worldwide plan. The healing of the nations is God's will, the healing of our nation. And the fulfillment of this plan really falls on our shoulders and all who are called on the name of Jesus. So, beloved, as we are looking at God's will, as we're praying for His will to be done, as we're looking at May 7th and the National Day of Prayer where we're coming together with other believers to call on God to move in our nation and move in the nations of the world, to bring healing, not just against the coronavirus and in all of these things, but truly bring a spiritual renewal in the world, will you get on your knees today? Will you repent of pursuing the world and give your heart afresh to Jesus? Will you seek the kingdom of God? For it is among you. It is with you. And it is in you. And God has placed the kingdom in you so that through your humble submission and your seeking of the Lord, He can pour it out of you. And God wants to use you to manifest His kingdom into the world. My quiet time with God this week, I just felt Him speak this word to my heart. And I'm going to read just the notes, the journal entry that I had for you that He wrote, had me write down that I believe is just from Him, His heart for the world as it is right now, especially as we're looking at re-entry and entering back into our everyday lives. And so I felt Him speak and hear Him say this in my quiet time, that I am to declare and proclaim the healing for the nations. I believe God said, proclaim the healing, proclaim the healing for the nations. For you've been inflicted and suffered evil, but it was not to harm you. That's why I sent it. No, it was to heal you. The world has departed from its original intention. The world suffers violence, deceit, injustice, poverty, both physically and spiritually. 
and it's your agreement, the authority of those who bear my image that make it so. So a decree was released, and in the cover of night, the spirit of infirmity arose to stall this movement into chaos and call my sons and daughters back into glory. For I will heal the nations. I will bring peace. I have carried your sickness, sorrow, and shame. Now turn to me, those who are sick, and I will heal your souls. Turn to me, those who mourn, and I will comfort you. Turn to me, those who have sinned, and I will forgive you. Turn to me, and I will relent and not punish. I will restore the fortunes that have been lost. For a banner has risen over Israel, and his name is Jesus, my only begotten Son. I have raised him so you too can be raised. Seek his face. Turn to me in faith. Turn away from sin and put away your filthy things, and I will show you what true life is all about. When everyone and their neighbor walks in my ways, love will be the highest aim and the greatest virtue, and grace will cover a multitude of sins. For the day is coming when I will restore all things, and the Son will sit on the throne. But until that day, the favor you experience is determined by the passion you have for the King and the coming kingdom. I'll say that again. The favor you experience is determined by the passion you have for the King and the kingdom that is coming. Beloved, revival is at hand. There is an awakening getting ready to sweep the church, getting ready to sweep the world. And I pray that it begins with us that it begins with Vertical Life Church, that it begins with this city, this place, and this nation. And I hope you join me in seeking the Lord and begin calling on His name, that His kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that He would restore our land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for this word. I thank You, Lord, for what You're doing. In our community, I thank you, God, for this call to awaken, to arise. And Lord, I just pray now in the name of Jesus against every religious bondage that is holding your church down, every false idea, every false belief. God, I pray against every influence of the enemy and the culture of this world that is holding your church down, that keeps us focused on the world and not on the kingdom. God, you have a call on every one of our lives, some into the church ministry, but some into the ministry in the marketplace. But all are called as missionaries, all are called as ambassadors, all are called to preach the gospel and demonstrate the kingdom. And if these days are getting darker, it's only getting darker because the light is refusing to shine. Fear has dominated your beloved, but you've not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And if we're afraid, it's only because we've empowered the liar. And when we agree with the liar, we empower his lies. So God, I come against every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I come against every lie he sows in our hearts and in our minds that makes us believe that we don't deserve your love, that makes us believe that you would heal others but you wouldn't heal us, that makes us believe every falsehood, God. You have shown in your word, you have demonstrated in your life that you desire to heal all who are oppressed by the devil, everyone under depression, every person who's filled with anxiety, every person who is struggling with physical health, every person who is struggling in this life in, in any way, God, you've come to set us free. And though we're waiting for the day for that ultimate fulfillment, Paul tells us in Romans that you've given us the Holy Spirit for a foretaste of future glory, which means right now we can experience freedom 
in the area of our physical health, in the area of our emotional health, in the area of our spiritual health. We can find freedom in every level as we submit to you and pursue the kingdom. Even poverty. Jesus, you said that everything we need will be added to us if we seek your kingdom first and your righteousness. So God, I just call on the church to arise and to awaken, to hear the sound of your invitation and to rise and accept it. And Lord, as we declare the kingdom, God, we know that you're working and I know that there are people watching that need a touch from you. There are people that are really struggling with hopelessness and loss and pain. Even this week, God, those who are dealing with loss. God, I pray that today that they would find new hope in you. If you're watching this morning and there's never been a time in your life where you've begun a relationship with God and maybe you're that one, you just don't have hope this morning. There's just something in your life that's been missing and you've done a lot of things, you've experimented with a lot of things, done in a lot of ways. But you still wake up each morning just without that hope, without that joy that you're looking for. Maybe you've had a loss this weekend and you just don't know what to think, what to feel, or maybe what to hold on to. Let me tell you, beloved, God loves you. He loves you so much that he embodied humanity, gave his life on the cross so that every curse in your life, everything against you could be broken and you could find new life in him, that you could find a hope that is, that is sure and steadfast like the anchor for your soul. That when stormy times come, you'll be anchored in and not moved by the waves. That no matter what you endure in this life, that God will use all things together for your good because you love Him and are called according to His promises. If you're here this morning and you need to begin a relationship with God right now, right where you are, it doesn't have to be profound, it doesn't have to be articulate right now, just a simple prayer asking God to forgive you of your sins and committing your life now to follow Jesus. Like this, you can pray this right here with me. You can say, Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Today I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection. And today I give him my life as my Lord and Savior. Right now, just that simple prayer, that simple prayer can begin the true life transformation in your life. If you mean it and if you believe it, Bible says if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's not just a religious act. It's a heartfelt cry to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you are struggling with curses in your life, curses against your body. You've had health issues. You've had many things go wrong in your life and you need a touch from the Lord right now, right where you are. I just encourage you to seek the Lord to pray and, and ask God to reveal the areas in your lives that the enemy has been allowed to work. If there's repentance that needs to be offered, repent. If you need to give forgiveness to someone who's hurt you, you've been holding on to a pain for so long, 
you've been holding on to something in your life and you've not forgiven and that's allowed the enemy through bitterness and struggle to bring things into your life, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Offer forgiveness and receive the love of the Lord and the lifting of that burden. I just speak a lifting of the burdens this morning in Jesus' name. Maybe you're hungry for the Lord and you you want to seek more of God in your life. You want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with His power. You accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've been baptized, but you've not experienced the more of God. And you know there's got to be something more than what you've experienced now. Right now where you are, just extend your hands out to the Lord. And I'll pray for you. Right where you are. Don't care about what else is going on. Just extend your hands to the Lord. Lord, right now, you see those. See the ones who are seeking you. See the ones who want the more of you. Holy Spirit, I just release you now in Jesus' name to fall upon those who are seeking you, God, that the kingdom of God would be manifest in their life right now, that you'd baptize them in your spirit, Jesus. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them, God. Touch them now in Jesus' name, not just a little, but to the overflow, God, that you would erupt in their lives and it'd be a life-changing encounter with you that their faith would become manifest and sure as they experience what they've believed, God. More, God. Fill them. Touch them. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, God, and we just lift up our nation to you. We know the enemy has a foothold in every area. But God, I'm calling forth your sons and daughters to capture a vision for their city, capture a vision for their state, for their nation, for the media, for social media, for entertainment, for all these influences, God. And I ask you right now, in Jesus' name, to anoint them with power, to anoint them with a holy calling, God to anoint them with skill and with creativity that you could infuse us into every level of society to bring the kingdom into those areas and bring redemption that our media would no longer glorify wickedness but glorify holiness. That our government would no longer seek to appease the self-centered and selfish nature of the people but empower us to, to live self-sufficient lives where we can give freely and bless our neighbor without force or coercion. God, that our medical field would be infused with, with not just brilliant people who are using what you've created to bring healing, God, but be infused with Holy Spirit-led and prophetic people, God, that will use the power of the Spirit to bring true healing, not just in body, but also mind and spirit. God, we just release your word, Lord, that the church would arise and that the healing of the nations would come. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's good. I just pray that God is working and moving and speaking. We want to hear from you. If, if you've made a decision to follow Christ today, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to know about it. We want to rejoice with you. If you had an encounter with God, we want to know about it. You can type it in the notes. That, Type it in the comments. Any comment of God working and moving just encourages those that are signed on, encourages us to know that God is working and moving in your life. And uh, we just uh, pray that 
you've been encouraged, that you've been challenged, and that through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you're changed today. That you'd have a little more hope today. And remember that even if we go back to normal life, that God's will is for you to be a light and you to burn brightly and you to demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere you go. church we want to say thank you for listening if this ministry has blessed you in any way please consider making a tax deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give thank you and god